on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Shep 2020 over here got political with what Google will and will not allow in their political advertising. Greg talked about new Google Search Console reporting on product-rich result data. Shep and I played a little game of name that social media CEO. And Greg shared his life story through a blog for Meatballs. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news, a proud part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. And I'm Christine Zernheld. AKA Shep. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on November 22nd, 2019. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news shows each and every Friday morning. We read all the news. So you don't have to. And first up, we've got a little housekeeping here today. We had our little giveaway for some Marketing O'Clock co-branded SEJ shirts. And those are out at the printer. So if you filled out the form to win a shirt, spoiler alert, you probably won. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of entrants. But those are coming your way, so hang tight. And if you give a valid address, they are headed your way. And today's show is brought to you by Search Engine Journal's 2020 PPC Trends Report. The good folks over at Search Engine Journal, Danny Goodwin specifically, put together an amazing resource where he asked 39 of the top PPC marketing experts. The biggest experts. Well, 38. It was really hard to make the cut. (laughs) And myself was on there. But they ran through a slew of questions. I think that there's over 150 pages in the final report. It's phenomenal. It covers shopping, automation, keywords. But it's a fantastic download, and it is completely free. You can get that by going to searchenginejournal.com forward slash PPC dash trends dash 2020. Some nice fireside reading for the Thanksgiving break. A lot. Yes. Get a little bit of that tryptophan in. As soon as you start nodding off, pick this up. You're going to get excited. You're not going to go to bed. You're going to make that Falcons game at night. All right. What do we have first up in the news, Shep? First up in the news on November 20th, Google released an update on their political ads policy. They're limiting election ad audience targeting to the following general categories age, gender, and general location. They went on to clarify that advertisers can continue to use contextual targeting, so that's placements, keywords, and topics, but this leaves out affinity audiences, in-market audiences, detailed demographics, remarketing, customer match, similar audiences, all those audiences you can't use for political ads now. The remarketing seems like it's something that would be good. If you've got somebody under your site and you're trying to get them to see actual details about your platform like that part itself doesn't bother me that much saying that you have a custom audience that you upload a customer match audience rather um that seems problematic to me Mm -hmm. but saying you came to the site and now you might ask for a donation or something like that doesn't seem to be a problem everything else i get it 
and seems pretty legit. Yeah. And I wish they would have saved us some work and said the explicit targeting types you couldn't use because they just listed the ones you could use and we had to go back and see the ones you couldn't. It was very confusing. But those are the ones that they don't mention in the article. And so you can use age, gender, general location. Mm -hmm. Which is gender. I don't know. That's interesting to me. Yeah. I don't, everything. You'd think, you'd think it'd be location. We're mm -hmm. like, hey, you're a person. We're giving you this in your location where you can vote. Take everything else out of there. Mm -hmm. And they also talk about the misinformation campaigns that we're all talking about every week. They say it's against Google Ads policy for any advertiser to make any face cla false claim, including deep fakes. They say that explicitly. Any updates on shallow fakes? Um, they did not specifically mention shallow fakes. Okay. So this sentence in particular seems to be targeting Facebook outright. They're saying that if there's misinformation right th out there, they're going to shut it down. And they list this example, which I hadn't really thought about before. They say, whether it's about the price of a chair or a claim that you can vote by text message, that election day is postponed or that a candidate has died, they're shutting down all misinformation. I didn't, like, that text message voting thing is kind of creepy. Like, I feel like people could fall for that pretty easily. If what you saw that what, out there a lot. What kind of meanies are out there saying, I, oh, Joe Biden died. I know. I, I, I honestly... <laughs> I'm maybe a little bit too wholesome to think that that exists, but yeah. seeing this, I get it. There are some people that will do anything out there. Because I was thinking about it just like targeting your opponent, but you could say something about the election in general that's not true, like when you have to register to vote or anything, and it could affect the election. Hey, I use Sandra Bullock's uh, skincare line yeah. here. Look at me. It never looked better. <laughs> so that made me think a little bit. They're also expanding their election advertising transparency efforts. They will now apply to U.S. state-level candidates and office holders, ballot measures, and ads that mention federal or state political parties. These measures, which already apply to election ads in India, the EU, and for federal U.S. elections, include in-ad disclosures and a transparency report that shows the content of an ad, who paid for them, how much they spent, and how much, how many people saw them. And how they're targeted, yes. right? Yep. Cool. So, I can't wait to click on some political ads and get all that info. You know what? I can wait. I'm not clicking on any <laughs> of them. So if you're running political ads, make sure you're well-versed on these policies. What else is happening this week? We've got more news from Google as Google Search Console will now report on data related to product-rich results. And this is something we talked about a few weeks back that if you put together product markup, they're trying to make a product feed based off of that that rich data. I've seen this in the wild quite a bit and it's really, really nice. And maybe it's just because I'm so jaded from Google shopping mm -hmm. that it's only ads. It, it is kind of strange when you see a listing or a search engine results page that has those shopping ads and then your products underneath. And then you click on products and you go to another search that just lists out those products and then more ads all over. Yeah. But I like the fact that they show the actual products right in the feed with um, imagery, which is pretty cool. So they're further supporting this. Websites that are eligible to appear in Google's product search results will find a new search appearance type called product results. This is awesome. I want to see more of this. I like the fact you can even report on it. And this, to me, as you've heard everybody that's listened for a while about me whining about shopping, it's a big problem that Google's had where unless you had ads, you didn't really have an, a, a voice for your product. Mm -hmm. So I like this. I like the fact they're going to have more reporting on it. 
The data can be segmented to discover so how shopping traffic changes over time, what search queries products show up for, and you can drill down even further to figure out how much came from data like the price, availability, et cetera. You can see all that mixed in with your traffic. So I fave this. Google's on our good side so far this week. Yes. Well, a lot of people are really liking the political stuff, but it's up to you. Yep. So I fave this prototype software manufacturer, Google, brand, search console, type, report, <laughs> name, product results. I, That's rich data. Your nerdy jokes are amazing. Are they? <laughs> are they? Let's be honest. And next up, TripAdvisor has launched its first self-serve advertising platform. They're calling it Media Manager, and it's available globally to any marketers on the TripAdvisor platform, but it's specifically designed for small to medium-sized businesses. So I created an account and started playing around this with this a little bit. It's simple to use, which is great. Definitely seems geared towards small businesses. They have a cool PDF that shows you how to create a campaign. That might be the first time anybody's ever said they have a cool PDF. <laughs> <laughs> they did. There are a lot of images in it. I just get a PDF. I like the color like, scheme. Oh, goodness, this thing's downloading. Oh, jeepers. I love a PDF with pictures. You can only pay for impressions with this so far. And for the targeting, they have destination retargeting, which is targeting people who are searching for a certain location, or they have behavioral targeting where they have a long list of different traveler personas. So they had business travelers, solo travelers, ski travelers, family travelers. Definitely check that out. They have a platform option, which is basically desktop or mobile. It is desktop or mobile, but you can't do both in a campaign. (laughs) Who's like... Well, who thought of that one? <laughs> I don't know. It's like maybe. a revolutionary one. It's I feel it's like binary. they have some bugs to work out. Yeah. So you have to create two separate campaigns if you wanted to target desktop and mobile. But go for it. I also tried to set up a dummy campaign and I couldn't find New York City to target. Well, <laughs> wait. I mean, that's a pretty big city. Yeah, that seemed like a flaw. I typed in New York and it came up with all these other cities in the state of New York. And then I tried New York, New York. You can't enter a zip code. Well, did you try a city with a greater population in the U.S.? I didn't. Okay. So you think maybe it's because it's too big? I don't think it's big enough. I'd go with a bigger city. (laughs) No, Buffalo is on there. (laughs) Oh, okay. So jury's out on this. It seems like they have a couple kinks to work out. I also don't love some of the recommendations they are they have on here. So for destination retargeting, I got this notification that said, select a targeting option according to the destination level you wish to target. The less granular the destination, the lower the price per impression. Okay. The lower the price per impression, but that's not to say that like your costs overall are going to be lower. I don't care about costs. I care about value. (laughs) And TripAdvisor (laughs) is a very location-based service. So then I got another weird one. Destination retargeting allows you to reach users who have recently viewed a destination on TripAdvisor. Destination retargeting provides the most opportunity when applied to a less granular targeting option, such as country or all destinations. That seems like as broad as possible. All destinations? Even an entire country. Like TripAdvisor is for trips. Nobody's just visiting a whole country. Or all destinations. That's crazy to me. Well, who could do that? So I don't know. Maybe that dancing guy, you know, like where's Matt or whatever it is. He dances in all those countries. No, I don't know that guy. Maybe if you're targeting him, <laughs> you hit him in, in all destinations. So it just seems a little spooky that they're saying these things to these like less savvy people who are probably might not be working with an agency. 
and they don't run a lot of campaigns, don't take TripAdvisor's word for it. That, Be smart. That almost <laughs> seems malicious to it say. Does. Oh yeah, just target all destinations. <laughs> All, right, well. All destinations. That's insane. Yeah. Okay, what else is happening? Well, next up, we've got some news from Search Engine Journal and Matt Southern. And Bing, surprisingly, Bing has revealed that it has been using BERT in search results before Google. And it's also being used at a larger scale than Google. So shots fired. Yeah. By Bing. So Google's use of BERT in the search results is currently affecting 10% of the search results in the U.S. and featured snippets in up to two dozen countries. Bing is worldwide. <laughs> and my initial thought is that, A, kudos to Bing for using these transformers. We talked about it two episodes back if you want to learn a little bit more about BERT. But not all transformers are created equal. <laughs> I have a lot of faith I mean, Google's BERT, just because I do a lot with Google Assistant and I can see how intelligent it is. And it just makes me wonder, like, Optimus Prime is a heckin' <laughs> tanker truck with a massive gun. And then there's a transformer called Botanica. It's a <laughs> robot that turns into a houseplant. Like, literally, all th those are both transformers. How do you know that? I Googled it. Okay. I binged it. <laughs> I bing birded it before the show. <laughs> That's true. Just because you're using these things doesn't mean that it's equal. And and I will give credit to Bing. Some of the results are much better than you've seen in the past. But there's a clear Burt Reynolds and a Burt Edwards. <laughs> and my money is on Google being Burt Reynolds. This just makes me think of like when an artist gets popular and people are like, I've been listening to them forever. Like Bert just had, a Bert, Bing just <laughs> had to make it clear that they knew Bert first. Yeah. Also, lastly, hey Bing, on your ads matching, can you just sprinkle a little, little dose of Bert around there too? Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Now it's time for this week's take of the week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. And this week's take comes from Amalia Fowler. Amalia E. Fowler on Twitter. And click on through and follow her in the show notes. And Amalia had this quote. I audited an account today made up of Google builds. The ROAS was 0.04 for both assisted and direct revenue. The business spent $4,000 before asking for help. I wish Google understood the power behind the word Google and actually did what was best for SMBs. Hashtag PPC chat. Yikes. Yeah, Google's doing what's best for Google. At this point, yeah. Especially the sales folks that call and hound your clients, even in off seasons, like, oh, what can we do to... Uh, to get you to spend more. It's like, um, you can leave me alone because I'm not spending anything. We're not even running right now. It's insane. Yeah, I wish they were looking out for people more. If you think doing an automated build from a Google rep is helpful, think again. Yeah. Take the time, pay the money, and pay for an audit or pay for setup. Contact somebody respectable in the biz and let them build this. Contact Amalia. Have her, yeah. pay her to set the accounts up for you the right way 
And at least then you'll have a, a base from somebody that doesn't care about their own bottom line. It is borderline. Well, it's just problematic when you've got Google doing this, setting it up, and then you've got a return on ads about every dollar you put out, you make four cents. That's not what you want. No. <laughs> the, 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 you, don't, you don't even want a dollar and four. You don't want two dollars and four cents. I just, it, it's frustrating. And I, the, the point behind the word Google, when they let these yeah. other people email and hound your clients on their behalf using the name Google, it goes so far and it is so, it's such a bad experience. I don't know why you want to do that. It's so short-sighted. And a lot say, of the time. this, yeah. lose 96% of your money, you're not going to spend money anymore. And a lot of the time, they're not even from Google, which is the worst part. Yeah, your Regilex or whatever it is. That's, <laughs> that's where they're, they're, they're typically from. So, hey, great take, Amalia. Keep them coming. Now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into two parts, paid and non-paid. First, we'll cover everything to do with advertising, a.k.a. paid, and then report on the organic or non-paid. Here's what's happening in the paid universe this week. First up in paid, Snapchat is expanding the time limit for its mid-roll video ads to three minutes. Users will be able to skip the ads after six seconds, but you won't have to cut them down like you used to. You'll be able to upload your existing creative to Snapchat. As long as it's three minutes or less, you'll be able to have it on the platform, which is awesome. And we have more news from Snapchat. We got a lot of Snapchat news this week. Yeah. CEO Evan Spiegel said that the company will fact check political ads on the platform. Looking at you, Facebook. Ooh. That was me, not Evan Spiegel. <laughs> so we have three major social media sites now with three very different stances on political ads. So Facebook said they will not fact check. Twitter said they will not run political ads at all. And Snapchat said that they will fact check. So I just thought we'd play a little game. Um, it's called Evan Spiegel, Jack Dorsey, and Mark Zuckerberg. Which CEO am I talking about? And I'm just going to give you a fun fact. Okay. And you guess who it is. Great. Okay, first. This CEO has red-green color blindness. Who? If it was good judgment blindness, I was going to go Zuckerberg. <laughs> but red-green, I'm going to go Spiegel. It's Zuckerberg. And they said that's why the platform is blue. Because he can actually hmm, see Makes it. sense. Okay. In his younger days... This CEO worked occasionally as a fashion model. Definitely not going to go at Jack. <laughs> not going to go Zuck. I'm taking Spiegel. I'm going Spiegel again. It's at Jack. Wow. Why don't you think it was him? What are you saying? I just didn't, I didn't picture that. I pictured him. I pic, I, I could see Evan Spiegel really being a fashion model for some, some sleek glasses. And he's married to a model now. Okay, okay. Next one. This is my favorite. At one point, this CEO was reported having a short fling with recording artist Taylor Allison Swift. Numerous gossip columnists say he and Swift kissed each other at the 2014 New Year's Eve party. I can either go the game theory route and think that your answers are going to be evenly spread across everything and go Spiegel, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say Zuckerberg is too good for Taylor Swift. Out. Then I'm going to say it's between Jack and Spiegel. I think... Zuckerberg is not too good for Taylor Swift. Debatable. And then it's between Spiegel and at Jack. And I'm going to say, I think it's Spiegel. It's Spiegel. Okay, two more. This CEO lives in a house previously owned by Harrison Ford. I'm going to go definitely not Zuckerberg. I'm going to go Dorsey. Spiegel. 
I don't think you've gotten any right. I, I forgot to right. pay attention. Okay. I'm one for four. <laughs> okay, last one. This CEO walks five miles to work every day. This is Dorsey all the way. This mm -hmm. is at Jack. It's at Jack. Yeah. Have you ever seen the Black Mirror where it's the guy from the 70s show? Mm -mm. Topher, Topher Grace. Mm -mm. He reminds me of, of, <laughs> of at Jack in the Black Mirror episode. Also, it's a, maybe the worst Black Mirror episode ever. So okay. don't watch it. It's not an endorsement on it. It's just you can, you can, he plays a really good social CEO. It's hmm. out there meditating. Often not check that out. Yeah, don't check it out. Just take my word for it. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for playing. You failed. Thanks. Next up, Google introduced restricted data processing to help advertisers comply with the California Consumer Privacy Act, or CCPA. What state is that for? California. Ooh, I know somebody that lives there in Harrison Ford's old house. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the CCPA? It is a new act set to go into effect on January 1st that says certain businesses must give California residents the ability to opt out of the sale of their personal data on a business's homepage. Can I go off on a quick tangent here? Yes. I never understood the state versus the U.S. thing. Like this seems like it shouldn't be like a state decision to make. Like you can just be like, hey, only in the state. You can't do this stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe this should be the Internet. Maybe like a U.S. thing. It's just weird. Your state can be like, oh, abide by this. Like, all right. And then you probably have other states like, oh, no, just target away. We should have like, I was just in Arkansas. Arkansas should be like double target. Double target our constituents. Sorry to all you Arkansas folks out there. But like if they could get a couple extra shekels for double targeting, I think they'd take it. Jeez. I hope nobody from Arkansas is listening. So this applies to businesses that have annual gross revenue of at least 25 million, buy, received, or sell personal data of at least 500,000 consumers, households, or devices. That's the thing. I mean, I think the, the revenue of 25 million is going to be a big barrier for most people. But if you've got 50,000 customers, yeah, that is what I think is actually going to tip the scale. Not that 50, the 200 or 25 million, but more so the 50,000 customers yeah. in your database. I don't think the last one's going to be huge either derive at least 50% of their annual revenue from selling personal data. I think most of it is going to be people who buy or sell at least 50,000. Yeah, that's like uh, Cambridge Analytica and maybe like a handful of others, like the data warehouse folks. <laughs> I, that's, that's also just a weird business. Like Exit 2023, the data warehouse. <laughs> what does your revenue makeup look like? I'm like 51% just selling personal data. <laughs> like, I got this warehouse in the back. Chuck's back there. He's got the personal data. He'll schlop it up here for you. What do you need? That is creepy. So Google is preparing for this change by setting up this restricted data processing option, if you if an advertiser opts in, certain features such as adding users to remarketing lists will not be available in compliance with CCPA. It may be implemented to apply to all users in California or on a per-user per basis when they click on the Do Not Sell My Information link on the advertiser's homepage. You can opt into this restricted data processing for Google Ads, Firebase SDK, and Google Analytics and we will link to the article in our show notes telling you how to do so because it's different for all of those. And keeping it with Google, they announced a bunch of new features for shopping campaigns and local campaigns this week. In addition to store visits, more local business goals will be available, such as calls or directions. 
Local campaign advertisers will soon be able to upload local product feed to feature in ads that will run in the display network. That sounds kind of cool. Local campaign advertisers can have their location show up when users are getting directions in maps and they're going to show up as little promoted pins. That's cool. Waze used to do that. Well, they still do do that. Yeah. That, that, that is something that's always really nice. I've done that before, a big campaign on that. Surprisingly good results. Really? Yes. That's kind of a fun one too. They're also launching a new Boppis feature for shopping campaigns that run local inventory ads. Boppis? Yeah. Buy online, pick up in store. Nice. I, when you said boppus, I thought it was Latin for booping a dog. What is that when you touch their nose? Yeah, you just boop them. This is boppus, Latin. Where it originated like from. Dog noses are wet. It's not I really know. my thing. Yeah, boppus is fun to say though. And it's just, you know, I love that feature. I hate going to the island store. It's my favorite thing in the world when you can just go to Target and pick up your order. What are your thoughts on those automated lockers? Well, actually, I know your thoughts on Home Depot. Which are really negative, but <laughs> but lockers in general. When you go and you pick up via a locker, I've never done it. Okay, I don't like it. For I've heard of it for Amazon, Home Depot does it. Yeah, at least around me, you can uh, buy something. They put it in a locker, but the locker's outside. It's like I don't want to buy paint and then pick it up in a locker in freezing cold temperatures. That seems like a terrible idea. But isn't it? You just have to get out your car quickly and get it right. I don't think I would mind that. Right, but I like the the buy and then pick it up at your leisure. I don't like just being. Oh, because like, oh, it's buy. sitting out there in yeah, the it's cold. It's sitting in the cold, and you got this paint freezing. I don't want that. Yeah, I can understand I like that. It. Or what if it was groceries or something? I guess they well, could do cool. it with groceries. It's like a natural freezer, Earth's Earth's free refrigerator. I guess. So they already had this feature that said available in store, but now you can add it that it will say pick up today or pick up later. So that pickup today would have me clicking. And next up, Facebook is expanding their brand safety controls for advertisers so they can better control what type of publisher content their ads appear on. You can now create block lists for publishers you don't want to be associated with, get delivery reports, and set inventory filters at the account level. You used to only be able to do that on a campaign basis. You'll also be able to search for delivery reports by account ID or publisher without downloading it first. That sounds great. I never want to download anything. <laughs> Wait, I thought you liked those PDFs that pop up on your phone. Those just pop up. That's a little different than downloading an Excel file. They're launching a content level whitelisting tool for advertisers working with Integral Ad Science, OpenSlate, and I don't know how to say this one, Zephyr. Zephyr. Z-E-F-R, which are Facebook's brand safety partners. And finally, they announced that they are beginning to test publisher whitelists for audience, network, and in-stream ads. Can I can I go Finstradamus on you mm -hmm. quick? I have a feeling that with these blacklists, we're going to be seeing in a coming cool tool the ultimate blacklist for your Facebook ads accounts coming soon. Somebody oh. should do that, right? That'd be great. You should do it, not me. <laughs> that would be great. Unfortunately, it's not going to be coming from me, so <laughs> it's a challenge to you, the listener. So that is it for paid. What's going on in non-paid? Well, we are going to keep it Facebook here. As Facebook is quietly releasing a new app, a meme-making app. Wow. Yes. So Facebook has released this. It's called Whale, and it's an attempt to woo younger users. You know, overlay special effects over text and photos. 
and the users can share the memes that they make on Facebook and other apps like Instagram or Messenger, according to the screenshots that the app shows. It was released last week and is only available on Apple's Canadian App Store, according to the <laughs> analytics firm Apptopia. Do you have I any love meme? memes in Canada? <laughs> do you have any? Uh, do you, can you think about a meme for this app? Think about a meme. I'm going to run through a couple better ideas that I have than this app. So I've got an idea what they should do instead of this general meme making app. They should do a meme making app. Do you remember when Zuckerberg went to Washington and was sitting there and they turned him into like an alien looking thing mm -hmm. and made him seem like he wasn't human, like he was an NPC? Everything should just be that. It should just be a Zuckerberg meme app. And you add text over it? Yeah, but it's only Zuckerberg. Okay. That'd be funny. Mm-hmm. So that's one, and it's just the alien thing where he's like, I don't know what to do with this H2O and when he's got that glass of water and he's not to drink it. That's funny. Or when he's like slimmed his face down and made it look like an alien. That's funny. Or the one where it's Zuck teaching a kid something. Do you know that meme? I have, I have a, in the show notes, if you look, there's a picture of a kid looking at the computer, <laughs> looking back, saying something about something that, that Zuckerberg should have no idea about, and then he comes over the top and one-ups him. So the kid says... Like something like, my dad says you're spying on us. And Zuckerberg says, he's not your dad. That would be a good meme. Just those memes. Just Zuckerberg memes. Or another idea is a meme. You put, you, have you ever seen those like domain name generators where you don't have an idea? You put something in and it spits out some web 2.0 name. It's just a business name. But you put a business name in and it spits out a new name. So give me a name of a business. Um... Shep's Taylor Swift shirts. Swept's Taylor Swift shirts. And his ads on the end from Facebook. Oh. That'd be a funny that'd be a funny app. I'd use that. <laughs> I'd take that. You do it and I'd be like, oh boom. Just ads from Facebook to everything. <laughs> All right. So thinking about a meme for this, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? You like memes, right? I like Real Housewives. I, I like memes that I'm like familiar with. Like I don't get the one that's going around right now with the Real Housewives and the cat. I don't either. Can somebody explain it? And the other one where it's like, I'm going to tell my kids that this person is this person too. Oh, yeah. Do you, like, I don't, there was I don't a good Real Housewives one with that where it was like the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Andrew, Adrian Malouf was at the table and I think it was right before she quit the show and it said, I'm going to tell my kids this is the Last Supper. I really like the Real Housewives one, but I don't get the ones okay, with the Okay, so cat. we're doing Real Housewives meme one here. Zuckerberg says, and it's Real Housewives lady. What's her name? Adrian Malouf. Adrian Malouf. And she says, we need a new app. Oh, the cat one? No, yeah. sorry. That's Taylor Armstrong. Oh, Taylor Armstrong. So Taylor, you just love these Taylors. So Taylor says, we need a new app to cater to the kids. And then the cat says, memes. <laughs> It's great. And that is... That actually is a good one. <laughs> I guess I don't get memes. Okay. I don't know. Well, you, you should talk to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> she likes them or she doesn't. Oh, she, she hates them and she hates it anytime I show her anything that's a meme. You should frame some in the house. That'd be fun. I know how that'd go over. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'll make a meme for this and put it in the show notes. Is that how it's going to go? She'd be the cat in that meme. That's what she'd be Okay, look. I'm Taylor Johansson. What's her name? Taylor? Taylor Armstrong. Taylor Armstrong. Look at this. I got a new meme for the house. And she'd just be the cat, not eating at her plate. Filing divorce papers. All right. <laughs> Next up, from Data Studio. 
There's new improved data modeling for data sources. And so Google has improved how fields for any data sources are defined and aggregated by default. These changes make it easier to model data and to make those fields more robust. You can hop in there and it won't change any previous reports that you've done. So charts and calculated fields that you've already done will work as before this upgrade. But you can basically hop in and there's an aggregated column in the data source that will now say default aggregation. So this is going to be what's used when you include that field in a data suitor report unless it's overridden. So cool um, for you data studio nerds. <laughs> and now we're going to get back to Mr. Spiegel who once kissed uh, Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. Oh no, was it Jack? Who Allegedly. Was it? it was Mr. Spiegel. Okay. Allegedly. Alleged. Thank you for including that alleged there. Very professional of you. So eMarketer has some good news for Snap investors. Snapchat is seeing growth again, but not where you'd expect it. It's not Gen Z and Hope over there. It's not us. It's a different generation. It's boomers. <laughs> Can we say that anymore? Is it oh, problematic you, you think at this point? it's a point? bad word now? I don't know if it's problematic. Just say baby boomers. Let's baby boomers. Okay. Baby boom. Well, the, the article said boomers. I'm just, I'm just reporting facts, folks. I, I'm starting to feel bad when people make the hey boomer thing. Like the Slack thing you said today, it's a little mean. Yeah, in case you didn't see it, apparently Microsoft Teams, A, both of these ads stunk. We're going to put it in the show notes. But Slack made an ad showing marbles rolling through like marshmallow fluff. And then Microsoft somehow did the same exact ad with different color marbles. And yeah. then Slack OK boomered Microsoft. It's and then, just, like, people stuck up for Microsoft, which is weird. If you read the comments, everybody's like, oh, Microsoft's good. It's I feel like we're definitely getting to a point where, like, there's corporate announcements coming out that you can't say OK boomer anymore. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. getting a little out of hand. Uh, we probably, somebody's listening to this, and we're probably canceled in 2025 yeah. because of this podcast right mm -hmm. here. So, <laughs> well, at least it was a good six-year run. But <clears throat> since 2018, Snapchat's user base had a decline of 1.4% in 2018. But in 2019, Snapchat's user base has grown by 14.2%. The biggest source was baby boomers, where they had a growth of 13% in 2019. So business is booming. <laughs> and I've got a million-dollar idea for Snapchat. Okay. Snapchat? Do what Facebook does. Steal other people's ideas. We need a meme app that just puts from Snapchat and everything. Okay. That's all you need. Take, take Facebook's idea. This It's kind of what happened to Facebook. Like, I don't know the hard numbers, but it seems like everyone on there now is your parents and grandparents. <laughs> so it makes sense that it's happening with Snapchat. I've, yeah, I've got to respond to a party. But I'm not on Facebook. And somebody asked me, asked me to respond to Facebook. I'm like, ah. I gotta get on there and uh, respond to a party invite. It's whole deal. Okay. All right, something that is a better deal is what Google has done to optimize their product. Optimize. And Google Optimize can now understand when a customer has returned to a site that they visited before and deliver a consistent site experience. This is something that we could do with ads on Optimize, but now you can do it based on UTM parameters, which is cool. So it doesn't just have to be used with Google Ads. So a good example is that they gave in the blog post. Again, head over to the show notes to see it. But if you've got a holiday campaign, you can use a discount offer and add in a UTM campaign parameter called holiday sale. 
and optimize, you then put in the parameter rule holiday sale, and then the experience and the pricing will be the same for who that's really cool got the email i've never thought about it with pricing before that's neat yeah so you send that email out with the different price for your email subscribers they click on through optimize you set it up to change that price and it, it it's the same experience wow all right next up is an article honestly i had to read three times in order to get anywhere I didn't under I literally didn't understand it. And you ever seen the memes? You're like a big fan of memes, right? <laughs> ever seen the meme where you're like, my age is, and then you say something? This should be my age is. I had to read this article three heckin' times to understand what it was about. Okay. So the article is about the rise of popularity of virtual influencers. Did you know what a virtual influencer was before this article? I did not, but I only had to read it once. Okay. So I thought a virtual influencer was somebody they could influence online, but then in real life, like... You would like, never take their recommendation. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay, a virtual influencer. I just made that deduction. Yeah. I'm like, none of this makes sense. I looked at it again. There are all these people in there, and they're like wearing fancy really clothes. Really beautiful people. Very nice yeah. people. And I'm like, okay, I still don't understand what's happening. These people probably could sell some product in real life. I read it again. These people aren't people. They're not people. They're virtual people. They're like... It's holograms, creepy. monograms. What, what are they? They're fake people. I don't know. Are they like taking AI. real people and editing them or are they really just completely fake? I don't get... Or like combining They're multiple people. They're completely fake people that are CGI. They're not actual humans. They're like these made up things. They're like NPCs. I want to know about like how much money it takes to make the images and what their return on investment is for these if you, if brand partnerships. Could, I, I want to, too. The number of followers some of these fake people have, these, there's accounts that are, they're up to that. I mean, I follow uncanny, Barbie. That's a little bit different. That's a product. Yeah, I don't think you're like, oh, look at this. Barbie's an influencer, though. She, like, travels the world. Where is she last? Um, I haven't seen it in a while. Why haven't I? That's weird. They oh. must have changed the algorithm or something. I'll tell you why. Because she got one-upped by some of these other folks, mainly... I am Laquella, Limaquella, who has 1.1 million quality audience followers. And if you go to the account, it's not a real person. I don't even know how to describe it. But it this. doesn't say anywhere in the profile or anything that it's a fake person either. The one girl said she was a recording artist and there were music videos. But she's a computer program. Who, 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 follows, who follows this? Not Who's like me? I'm really into a fake computer-generated recording. I don't... This is where I get to the point. I'm sick. This makes zero sense. I don't understand it. I'm old man Finn here. I'm a codger. Yeah. And why would you take the recommendation for any products they were selling? They're not real people. And why are you like, hey, I'm a big brand. I'm going to go over to a synthetic human. Mm -hmm. Then do you like ship real shoes over there? Like, what do you do? Do you just say... Hey, mock these fake shoes That's up. That's a good point. How, how do you even influence to a fake person? Or if, if it was like beauty products, they're not using beauty products. You probably, other... probably have to pay in Bitcoin. Probably. <laughs> you cracked it. Okay. Or what's the crypto kitty? Yeah, it's <laughs> just crypto kitties. All right. Well, anyway, read this article because I am the wrong person to report on, on virtual influencers that are CGI people that brands are paying 
And then do you make the checkout to these people? Like, who do you make the checkout to? <laughs> <laughs> there are so many logistical concerns. <laughs> I, I hate it. Get rid of it. All right, next up, image search click data. It's been dropped by Google Search Console. Google said that there was a bug of some sort that resulted in Google Search Console dropping data. The dates were between November 14th and November 19th. So go ahead and annotate that in your GA, and this should have no impact in your rankings and your traffic. It's just a bug in Search Console. Good news? I bet they're going to have a fire thanksgiving doodle oh i'm sure all right news from twitter is next twitter has launched tweet scheduling directly on twitter.com you previously could do this through twitter with TweetDeck or many other tools but you can now head right over to the web interface and schedule this on twitter so cool what about editing <laughs> sadly no that was not in the announcement but anyway, let's give a big hand to Twitter. Welcome to 2015. <laughs> All right, next up, if your recipe markup is eligible for Google Assistant, there's now a preview tool. And this is a really cool element where, let's say you're a food company, you've got recipes, you cannot see how those recipes are going to display on a Google Assistant, a Google Home, Google Home Max. So you can now run through this this code, and we're going to have it all in the show notes. But see how those recipes will display exactly. And please, awesome. if you're posting a recipe, please do not put your life story before the recipe. I hate that. It's amazing. I, I can't stand it. Like, it is like, my biggest gripe in life. Honestly, I think so. You're like basil turkey meatballs. <laughs> you get to the first time. It's like, once upon a time, I was in Delaware. It was a cold day. It was a bitter wind blew. But I caught a scent in the air. A scent that drew hope into my soul, invigorated my body, and warmed me up when I needed it most. I went to Dave's Meatballs. And I walked in, and I was engulfed in the sweet smell of marinara, <laughs> mozzarella, and greeted by a friendly little doggo who I boopied on the head. <laughs> oh, like, what is it? I got to scroll like 50 times. I just want to print the recipe. You know, my kids love this recipe. I make it on a Sunday afternoon. It's great for the back to school season. How do you, they tell you how to freeze it before they tell you how to make it. It drives it's, me crazy. It's nuts. It, it's too much. I'm with you. I digress. There should be a penalty for that. Give some, start Please. authoring some penalties for that. That's what we need. We need to we tweet need some that. Manual to actions. Manual actions against life stories in your recipes. That, I agree. This is so important. It really, this might be why this podcast exists. And Hope isn't laughing because she does HelloFresh and she doesn't have to read recipes on the internet. It's so awful. We should give it to Hope. We should take her HelloFresh recipes and write some huge. <laughs> huge soliloquy before everything. You click on a link for how to make pizza dough and the first line is like, it was a rainy Saturday in 1987 when I was born. <laughs> it's so bad. It's awful. All right. Well, anyway, some, this, this is, if you have recipes, this could be considered a recipe for success. Next up, Bing is improving image search with a better understanding of user queries. Bing 
is already in the BERT game, but they're bringing a multi-granularity matching to image search with their new vector match, attribute match, and best representative query match techniques from the article. Bing Image Search has employed many deep learning techniques to map both query and document into semantic space, greatly improving our search quality. Um, quick hot take on this. Image search is way better on Bing than Google. Really? Really. They link right to the image, which is bad for webmasters. I get that. I feel you. I Good appreciate for me. <laughs> Good for me. Unless I'm the webmaster. And it's just, it, it is actually phenomenal. If you're trying to look for something, do it. I, this is the Greg Finn challenge here, the marketing clock challenge. Try a search on Google and then try it on Bing. Okay. You're going to be blown away. You're blown away. It's a, and now we have multi-granularity matching. I mean, attribute match, vector match, it's going to be even better. What more could you ask for? Bert. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, Spotify has a new feature. You may, if you're if you're a power Spotify user like you shop, mm -hmm. you may get recommendations for music. You're now going to get recommendations for podcasts you may enjoy. Have you ever heard of podcasts before? I have. So you can go to your Spotify. It's kind of hard to find. You were having some yeah. problems with it earlier. Um, but you go to your main Spotify list. You scroll down and you'll see Spot um, Spotify. <laughs> Spotify. <laughs> you see podcasts recommended for you. And did you look at the what you were recommended? I did. So I looked at mine, and I only had six recommendations. And I got five out of six were pretty good. One of those was Marketing and Clock, which is like, I mean, that's a no-brainer. Good. I had Pete Holmes and Bob Saget, which I'm a big Bob Saget fan, so that makes sense. <laughs> is that an interview? Yeah, it's an interview with Bob Saget. Do Are you a Saget fan? <laughs> Not particularly, but... Have you listened to Bob Saget content on Spotify before? How would no? I've listened to Pete Holmes before. Okay, but I don't think I did on Spotify. Which Interesting. Is weird. I'm not a big Spotify podcast user. Uh, another one was Closing Day podcast. Shout out to Kyle Pucko who's been on the show before. They're like, here's a recap, and I'm like, all right, cool. So that was good. Uh, the one that didn't match mine was a show about podcasters. Like, that's gross. I don't want to hear about. Who but do you they think I know, am? but they match who, you well. Who do you think I am, Spotify? I take umbrage with that <laughs> recommendation. Honestly, I'm kind of impressed that they knew that. I well, probably because you have like an anchor account. So, so my, how are yours? Mine were pretty good. The first half were all new episodes of shows that I listened to. So, Marketing O'Clock was on there too. And then the second half was new ones. And it was a lot of things that had like the host from the shows I listened to on other podcasts. That's cool. And they were pretty well targeted. So they had one called True Crime Girl Time. Whoa. That's like, that seems like you, the podcast. Mm -hmm. One called Over My Dead Body. And Again, you. And then Bubbly Sesh, which is the Hallmark Movie Channel podcast. That's like, that's like, the, did they give you any QVC recommendations? They, there's no QVC podcast, I guess. But I'm really happy about this because on the bottom of my podcast page, I've had Spotify for at least like two years and the same like five podcast recommendations are at the bottom every time it's featured podcast. Like they need to figure it out. I, it's a big trend right now. Like podcasts are huge and they're not doing a good job. Hopefully they do better. The other complaint I have with this is it just has the name of the episode. The execution stinks. Yeah. It just has the name of the episode. It doesn't have the title of the show. You, yeah, you're, you get you get the name of the podcast, and then it's all How about the bio? Yeah, tell me what, what I'm actually going to listen to. You get that when you're scrolling the episodes. 
Finally, one last complaint. But also, just kudos to you because you write the names of the podcast every week. Our podcast names are fire. Yeah, they are. So They're maybe fun. that's going to help us. Okay, so I also just have to say, very topical, before we walked in here, I got a notification from Spotify. They're doing it wrong. It says, 2019 Wrapped is coming soon. Replay your top artists of 2018, like Taylor Swift. I mean, they could just put in any year date and it's going to be Taylor Swift for you. But 2018... It's, 20, it's my 2019 rap list. Like, they do so many things so well. And then just, if they would just spend a week with me, I could make it all a lot better. Everybody be listening to Taylor <laughs> Swift. No, it's not that. There's just little things. Like, the search isn't great. If you search marketing clock without the apostrophe, you can't find it. <laughs> well, you guys, you better go to your brand new, uh, your new result podcast. What's new on podcasts? But Maybe this looks like us. it's a step in the right direction. I agree. All right, and that is it for this week. And that brings us to our real-life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. Shep, what's been happening with your accounts lately? So Mark on our team taught me this cool thing that you can do in Facebook ads manager. Mark has lots of cool things. On yeah. I don't know a lot about Facebook, so this <laughs> is great. So you can look at two of your audiences in Facebook ads manager and see the overlap. So you can do um, like a lookalike audience for one page for one remarketing list and another one and see the overlap and see how similar they are. That's awesome. Yeah. So you can know if they're super different, maybe you have to make two different campaigns, if it's worth it. That's just a fun little thing. I had no idea existed. And there's a Venn diagram. Right. And it's, it's kind of like, it's almost, you give a number, we use a 40% number, or Mark uses a 40% number. And if things are more than 40% the same, it probably doesn't justify making a new ad group to target everything. Yeah. Which is awesome. Cool. And just one thing I had is, we had a couple of accounts where I was trying to do not top of page bidding, but just first page bidding on. And I ran through and I moved everything to first page bidding in Google Ads Editor on Google Ads. The numbers were astronomical. There's no way they were correct. It was like $600. Yeah. I'm looking at this and I'm like, what is this? Why I, are you saying that? Like, I, what could this possibly be? I always do it, and then I sort by highest bid For sure. to check them. So if you're out there and you think that just because at one time it worked and it was really nice, it is broken beyond repair at this point. It is not usable. If you do anything, you need to double, triple check it. Don't you use first page bidding in Google Ads Editor. And I mean, I didn't even try it, but I would say for sure don't do top of page bidding. Microsoft be, too. So don't, really don't do that. That used to be a really cool thing where you could find out what it takes to be there. You could drop those bids slightly, and then you could, again, bump them up gradually if you're doing CPC or eCPC. No more. Don't do it. Crazy. Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. You're like, who does that? <laughs> Just get rid of that. I'm over it. Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about our trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. This week's WTH comes from Search Engine Journal, and it's not just because we are partnered with them. It's because Roger Monti, a.k.a. Martini Buster, has a fantastic article. The heckiest article of the week. 
the hackiest article of the week. And I had no idea that this was even possible. <laughs> he says, .org registry sold to an investment firm. I'm like, oh, weird. Like, you probably bought a whole slew of domains. Mm-hmm. Oh, they bought the domain. <laughs> Shep, they bought the domain. The nonprofit organization that manages the .org domain registry has been sold to a for-profit investment firm. It's not just a for-profit company. It's an investment firm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I've got lots of questions. So some are fearful that the .org domain's cost will now rise because an investment firm owns it. Yeah, it seems like a valid concern. I agree. So maybe I'm dumb. I didn't know you could do this. I didn't know that there was just somebody that owned the .org. I had no idea. That could ship it. I actually, for some reason i'm i like i know there's a lot of for-profit things there's a lot of countries that own specific domains top level domains i didn't know that somebody owned dot org i could just either. sell it so who owns dot com it's a great question i don't know that one either <laughs> but i i i was so perplexed reading this article that this is the case so i can ruled this year that the cost of a .org domain, which typically people thought of as like, you're an organization, you're American Cancer Organization. I thought it was free. No, it's not, it's not free, but it's also not going to be capped at a set amount. Okay. So it used to be capped. I can said, no, it's not going to be capped anymore. And so that raised the opportunity for people to raise the price of a .org. So that happened. And then this non-for-profit that owned .org sold it to the investment firm. So the thought is, well, an investment firm is probably going to go Martin Scarley on this thing Mm -hmm. and just jack that price right up. I don't understand how nonprofits work. The Public Interest Registry, PIR, had managed .org and then sold it to the firm Ethos Capital. Somebody made money somewhere. How are you not for profit? Like, where does the profit go? Like, how does that work? They pay their employees, for sure. The NFL is a nonprofit. It is? Yeah. That doesn't make sense. It seems wrong. Yeah. And you could just sell this thing? But they could. I'm sure the the only reason they sold it is because somebody said, now we can make more profit. And I'm assuming they then took it and made a profit. Where does the profit go? Well, they could be using it for whatever their nonprofit is, like charity. I don't know. To have better snacks at the NFL games. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, anyway, according to the press release, the transaction becomes final during the first quarter of 2020. So if you own a .org and you're looking to secure it for a longer time, buy a 10-year yeah. period now. It's capped. You can get the same price. Re-up it now for 10 years. Give yourself a little leverage. And then it's honestly, at some point, you're going to have to get off that .org. Mm-hmm. Like that, a .org is no longer for, org- <laughs> for, for like the good, the, the greater cause. I really... I- my eyes were so open by this. I thought it was owned by like the government and they were free and they were for nonprofits. Nope. Crazy. And now for this week's cool tool. As a reminder, our cool tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. This week's cool tool is also asked.com. And it allows you to type in a keyword and it charts out search queries related to your keyword so you can understand how people are researching that topic. So you're saying it's also asked.com? Also, also asked. With a K. One word. A-L-S-O-A-S-K-E-D.com. We will gotcha. have it in the show notes. Do they have a .org? No, it's also asked.com. 
And instead of using suggest data like other sites, they use people also ask data, which provides results for more long tail searches and shows up as relationships between these topics and questions. So more BERT oriented, we might say, these long tail keywords. So this seems like a great tool. I actually used it today researching. (laughs) Sometimes, um, do you ever type something into Google and see like the suggested options to try to do a keyword research a little bit? Yes. It's like a back end thing. Yep. I tried this instead today and it was cool. It maps it out really logically. You can export it as a PDF. You know, I love those. Oh, for sure. Or as an image. So check it out. We will link to it in our show notes. Now it's time for our must read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in depth, so detailed that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. All right. This week's. Must read marketing article of the week is I'm taking a different flavor. I've got two, and in reality, I've got four, but two you should never read. Okay. There used to be uh, eat this, not that segment in men's health where you'd say, oh, don't eat a banana. Instead, eat a candy bar or something. I'd be like, oh, I didn't know that. Candy bars are better than bananas. Or <laughs> don't eat a cauliflower, eat an apple or something. And they explain why. Okay. So I'm doing it this time. So read this, not that. So first off, in case you're hiding under a rock, there's a huge expose in the Wall Street Journal called How Google Interferes with Its Search Algorithms and Changes Your Results. Don't read that. Don't eat that. I think you have to pay for a subscription anyway. So if you don't, it's not even a question. (laughs) The misquoted friend of the show, Glenn Gabe, who is... What a travesty. it's, It's beyond. It's beyond reproach. How and, dare they? So Glenn was talking about what an algorithm is like and, and mentioned it like a black box where you don't, where it kind of stores things. You can't actually see how everything works. Mm-hmm. And they said it's black magic. <laughs> they quoted him as saying Google's like black magic. Like Glenn's all in there in the dark arts. <laughs> like what is going on? And then there's a crazy rebuttal over on Search Engine Land of Barry Schwartz. He wrote an article called Misquoted and Misunderstood. Why many in the search community don't believe the WSJ about Google search. It was scathing. Did you read that article? I did. At one point, he said, what the Wall Street Journal published to me is either showing how it is a complete lack of understanding of search, or even worse, the publication has its own agenda against Google, which honestly makes me sad. And Barry's like the nice guy, too. Like, Glad yeah. and Barry are, are, are search treasures, and they've, again, right. they've, they've dragged their names through the mud. We need a Facebook meme of Glenn in like a warlock outfit. Yeah. Doing we'll, his black magic. We'll do that and we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> Glenn in the dark arts will come up. <laughs> so anyway, don't read the Wall Street Journal and any of that the travesty there, that fake news. It's basically a written deep fake. Mm-hmm. So instead, you read this. <laughs> Brands versus ads by Aaron Wall, an SEO book. Aaron, he stopped blogging, he stopped posting everything, he stopped everything for a long time. I think it was like Stopped in like 2016. He came back with some fire this year. This article is how you take something down. He just uses logic and reason and facts. And something he's been saying since like the Vince update that he <laughs> talks about brands and what Google's doing. It's a phenomenal article. It talks about the fact that as long as you have two competitors in Google, it's, it's me too offering about how markets evolve towards promoting brands in general. 
he quotes people that made just had awful takes and then where they are today. So he brought out a quote that said, since the Motorola debacle, it was Google's largest acquisition after the 676 million purchase of ITA software, which became Google Flights. Uh, remember that? Anybody use that instead of Travelocity or one of the many others? Neither do I. So he quoted that article and then brought today's reality into it saying, Travelocity has rough, had roughly 3,000 people on the payroll globally as recently a couple of years ago. But the Travelocity workforce has been whittled to around 50 employees in North America. It's like, yeah, they know what they're doing. Wow. And he breaks it down. It's amazing. Talks about Chrome ad blocking and why it behooves Google. He's got fire saying Google buys entire businesses, guts them, and sells them for parts. Google's core business model is selling paid links with even lighter disclosure, which is true. Look at Google Shopping. Some he, he didn't say that part. I said that part. Some SEOs suggest selling links or exposures beneath them, but ex-Google employees leverage their past gains to buy well-linked sites like money.com. That's how you do a takedown. Dude, you want a bone to pick? Wall Street Journal? Check out Aaron's article. Read that. Educate I'm doing another yourself. one. I'm doing another one too. Okay. I'm fired up this week. I'm ready. This is going to be the longest podcast yet, but it's great. Good content. So what you don't want to read is bad content on the correspondent.com. They had an article called the new dot-com bubble is here. It's called online advertising, which is the cringiest title ever. Many people sent this to me and I, my, you I like just this. rolled your eye, rolled my eyes, listeners. My response. <laughs> Very dramatically. I'll pull this up. My response was this thing reads like a Bill Simmons article. It's meandering. It doesn't make a point. It might as well be a recipe article <laughs> talking about <laughs> people's excursions overseas uh, as a trip as a trip abroad. Like it is, they talk about eBay buying branded terms and not seeing a lift in sales. Like, uh, no way. <laughs> and then, so don't read that article. Okay. It's a terrible article. It's weird. It doesn't make a point. It actually looks really nice. If you want to know how to like format an article, read that but don't really read it. Instead, read an article on Search Engine Land from former guest on the show, Kirk Williams. Kirk Williams wrote, digital advertising is not the dot-com bubble. Improper attribution is. Ooh. This is such a sensible article. It didn't get enough play in my mind. You read this and it's a, a logical breakdown of this stupid article from The Correspondent. And he talks about the fact where he says, this is where I disagreed with the article. Authors blame the failure of marketers and engineers to actually demonstrate incremental value on digital advertising itself rather than the tactics devised from improper understanding of attribution. He's got, wait, what's in there? And he says, here's what I mean. Digital advertising is just advertising. It's not the greatest thing to ever happen in marketing, and it's not a bubble. It's just advertising. This is logic. Mm -hmm. And so another article, another quote from the article is what Kirk said is, when you think you can track everything, you begin to shift your time, resources, tools, and reporting to make your trackable KPIs grow rather than building and implementing the tactics to accomplish an actual marketing strategy within your digital channel. And if you read the article, that was the first thing I thought when I read about eBay in this correspondent piece. It's like, this doesn't make sense and you can't make any conclusions from this and this isn't a marketing strategy and Kirk nailed it. So those are two things to read instead of what you see in the mainstream media. Okay. We'll take your word for it. Thank you, Kirk and Aaron. All right. That does it for today's show. Thank you to Search Engine Journal. If you are a PPCer or you do any kind of digital advertising, go download the report, the 2020 
PPC report. You can get it at searchenginejournal.com forward slash PPC dash trends dash 2020. 39 experts, 150 pages. Even if you don't want to download the PDF for yourself, maybe you're not like you, the PDF connoisseur, you can still read a very detailed article that breaks out a lot of the high points on there. So check that out. You don't, don't want to miss that. Searchenginejournal.com forward slash PPC dash trends dash 2020. And if you're looking for another great podcast, don't miss this week's episode of the Search Engine Journal Show. Yep. This week, they have John Mueller of Google. Wow. It's a pretty cool interview. Danny talks about how John got into Google, some of the rationale behind it, some day-to-day stuff, tries to get him to break some news. I'm not going to spoil it. You're going to have to listen to it yourself. The Search Engine Journal Show. Check it out. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from this show on marketingoclock.com. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Shooting the Heck. We're after our famous Friday news shows. We don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the heck. And this week, it's everybody's favorite game. A repeat of last week's Travel Buddies, the two kinds of people edition, where we give you two people and you are going on a global excursion, a 30-day trip with one of the kinds of people. Shep, I'll start. Okay. Who are you going to be traveling with? Somebody that buys food at an airport takes it onto the plane and eats it before takeoff or somebody that boards a plane and doesn't sit in an assigned seat. Okay. I would like to clarify that it's bad if they eat it on the plane at all. It's only bad if they eat it before takeoff. Why is that a bad thing? I don't understand. Because it smells up the plane. Eat it before you get on the plane or don't eat. You're making too much sense. Okay. So who do you think? Okay. So I think the assigned seat is worse. That breaks the assigned seat rules. Yes. But only on airplanes. I think it's fine if you're at like a concert or an event and you give it a try and someone's like, hey, you're in my seat and you politely say, please move. And then you're like, okay, it's fine. I think that's fine. But on planes, it's different because they're always full. Yeah. And what do you say? You're taking the. I don't see any problem with eating before the plane. That's just smart because airplane food is the worst food to ever exist in humanity. But eat in the airport. At the airport bar. Okay, and here's why you're both wrong in this answer. Yes, the person that is not sitting in their assigned seat is one of the worst people in the world. But there's going to be a disaster on your trip. This person that bring that buys food, sits in line, hurries to get onto the plane first, waits till everybody's on the plane, opens the food up. Yeah, I hate that. That trip is going to be a disaster. That trip <laughs> is going to be the worst trip of your life. They just want to enjoy their food. No. Every no. single they thing you're about to do rush. fun. Everything you're about to do fun. No. Every event you're about to do, they're going to find some way to sabotage it. <laughs> they're not just rude. They're not inconsiderate. They're a saboteur. You're both wrong. That's, That's so gross. dramatic. All right, what do you have, Shep? Okay, I forgot that they had to like go together at all, so mine don't really They don't have to. That's <laughs> okay. the best part of this game. Someone who blots the grease off of their pizza or someone who subtweets people on Twitter. Who's worse? <laughs> nothing to do with traveling. Not who are you going on a trip with? I'm, I'm, I, the this, person. Is a, this is a no-brainer to me. I'm taking the, the, the pizza blotter. Really? Personally, in my life, I've never blotted a pizza. I like the grease. I, I like it. the oil. 
Mr. Keto over here, give me the grease, give me the oil, everything like that. But somebody that's subtweeting on Twitter, that trip is going to be a nightmare from, from day one. They're saying other things, subtweeting you in real life, real yeah, tweeting you, whatever right. that is, it's going to be a disaster. I'll take the blotting. It's just somebody overly careful. I get it. They can be a little it's careful. It's not overly careful. Don't be safety for no, no, me. No, 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 Don't no, be no. advising me a, little, a couple things of what to do. Maybe I'll, I'll survive. Maybe I won't get hurt. I'm taking the overly cautious person. Okay. How is blotting your grease off your pizza being cautious? That's just being so extra. You're already eating the pizza. Blotting it with a napkin is not going to make the calories less. It right. doesn't help. It's just so obnoxious. It actually literally does make just the calories less. Just eat the pizza. You're <laughs> like, already eating something greasy. Just eat it and so stop making a choice? scene. Stop making a scene like, oh, I have yeah. to watch right. what who, Who's the right answer? Hope's right because not only are you like being obnoxious, but you're also ruining the pizza for the person next to you who's also eating the pizza and now they know how much grease is on it you didn't say i thought it was a piece of pizza i didn't know it was the whole pizza no it could be a piece of pizza but when you're eating pizza usually the other person okay. at the well, table I, is eating i can pizza. see that, that, that that's the case okay <laughs> obnoxious okay. next up you either have to travel with somebody who prints out an itinerary for the whole entire oh, trip that's such a good one time by time each place you're going to time you have to wake up time you go to sleep or you have to travel with someone who doesn't plan at all that's a good one, Hope. You, she Thank really you. plays the game. <laughs> I nailed down this game. Um, okay, I would go with the person who doesn't plan at all because then I can make the plans. Strategic. I am going with the person I'm agreeing with Shep and saying I'm going with the person that doesn't plan at all because I feel like we're just going to have a good time. Yeah. We're going to go out and we're going to do whatever we want and there's not going to be that guilt to... I don't want the person. I don't want the controlling factor. I don't want somebody saying we have to be here, here, and oh, here. Don't tell me when oh, to wake up. Hundred percent. That's the biggest one. Oh, we got to go to the zoo now. I cannot now. tell oh, you. We got to go to the <laughs> elephant cage now. Oh, it's tiger. It's twelve fifteen. We got to go see the tigers. No, it's, it's so annoying. And you don't even get to enjoy it because you're trying to get to the next thing on your list. All of the best trips I've ever had, no plans. You just walk out the door, you start walking, and you're like, oh, look at this thing that I didn't even know was going on. Your expectations are low. You have a great time. Next up, mine. Who are you going on a trip with? Somebody that has a sign in the front yard that says, drive like your kids live here? <laughs> or somebody that in their kitchen has a sign that says, live, laugh, love. Okay, I, I don't really have such a problem with either of those. I've seen those drive like your kids live here in good places where they're needed. Okay. I hate the those Skijakwada. signs. So you take <laughs> it's a big road in Buffalo. Hey, that's a whole different different point. They had but. to lower the speed limit to 30 miles an hour because people were speeding. Which is obnoxious. Yeah. No, that's not people why they did it. People should drive like their kids live there. That's not why they did it. So who do you take? We're not getting gruesome. I just uh, need to so, people know. So... <laughs> Live, laugh, love is worse. No, 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 I'm saying no. I would take the person with the kid. At least it's precautionary in terms okay. of purpose. I would take the live, laugh, love. One, because I kind of have a sign like that in my kitchen. Okay. Not do, exactly do. like that. It's better. <laughs> it's from my mother-in-law. It's better. <laughs> but people with those stupid signs, I know they have good intentions, on their front lawn are so, you know those signs where it says, hate does not live here and it's all it's all those stupid political signs what home has hate lives here yeah this home has hate it's so stupid okay live, so what, laugh, was your, love what, all the way. what yeah. was your pick that was my pick live laugh love all the way okay that's what you're the taking signs are the worst you're taking live laugh love yes so 
Shep wins. Shep is right on this one. Why? For the, the reason, you might think Shep is wrong because the people that say drive like your kids are here telling other people what to do and being a little bit too nosy up in people's business and that might happen all trip. The person with the live, laugh, love, there's some, there's some problems. You shouldn't be <laughs> told every day that you look at your wall that you need to live <laughs> and then like you remind yourself to laugh. And I have, have like a sign to be like, oh, in love. I have a nice... Ki- Sign if in my you kitchen. That in You're your calling house. out a it's lot not of in people my house. here. If I will say it says laugh often, talk often in the kitchen because that's I love the kitchen because that's a very yeah, yeah. and you're nice wrong place and you're wrong home. because that should be built into you. And if you're out in the world and God forbid this person's in the kitchen and forgets, and forgets to live or laugh or love. How dare they? You it's need a reminder. Be, it's going to be a trick. The it's world be, is cruel and sometimes you need a sign. The trip's ruined and you're wrong. No. Last one. Okay. Two very unrelated, but I think they're really bad. Would you rather travel with someone who puts their kid on a leash or someone who plays games on their phone without headphones and they leave the sound on? I had somebody watching movie trailers this week without <laughs> headphones on, and it was pretty bad. And for that the reason... games are bad. Okay, I, 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 shouldn't say, I shouldn't say My yet. daughter okay. is sleeping on my lap. And he's watching these movie trailers, and then he watch a, a car restoration show. And I said, you don't even need the sound for this. You're restoring a car. Like, look at it. That's the carburetor. You know what's happening. So I'm taking that person. I just visited. You can actually lose a kid. A leash can actually help. Okay. I had something that was leash-ish. So I am that person. It was you a backpack. You put your kids a on a leash. A Hold backpack. On. Hold a backpack. On. A Hold backpack. On. A backpack. Hold on. You put your kids they never on use a it. leash. I, I, I will defend. I mean, twins. I have two kids. Yeah. I have two kids. I never use it because it never actually worked. But I can see the fact that you're like, oh, I want to pull the kid so away. So you own it. This is in your closet somewhere? No, it's a- it, it's it's an animal that you take. It's a backpack that then you have a leash on. Yes, I do have a leash for my <gasps> it kids. It is a leash. That is the worst thing I've ever heard so in my I'm life. I'm taking that. I guess I, I didn't think about twins when I worded that question, I will say. Okay, Hope. <laughs> leash is so much worse. Did you bring it on your most recent trip? So much worse. <laughs> I tried it when oh they were like gosh. I tried it when they're like 18 months. Oh, just check in. Just check no. in. No. Hope. So much worse. The leashes. Okay. Worse. You don't need I, sound on in a game, even when you're playing it in your headphones. The games don't need sound. Especially if it's That's Reggie worse. Miller. That is not, eh, whatever. The game's worse. Agree. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> I can't believe you put your kids on the leash.